this episode of Skeptico. A show about Nazis. Desertion ist Verrat, Land. Vaterland. In a show about why hola hoaxers annoy me so much. Let's get to the number. Because I was forced, because of this exchange that I had, to kind of go do some, is there new research being done? Which is one of the other claims that the whole hoaxers make is like, hey, they're shutting down the research. There's Fine. no debate. This is, want to find in some Holocaust. countries, is banned by law. Well, I'm now sharing yep. on the screen okay, a see. published paper. Mm-hmm. Here it's published in Science and Advances. This study identifies an extensive phase of hyper-intense killing in which 1.47, a million and a half Jews, more than 25% of the Jews killed over the six years of, the, of World War II were murdered by the Nazi in an intense 100-day, yep. three-month surge. So that first clip was from a new Nazi movie on Netflix, Blood and Gold. Boy, I love those Nazi movies. And the second was from an exchange I had with today's guest, Al Borealis from Forum Borealis, who joined me to have this very, very uh, kind of intense, in-depth, multi-layered discussion about some of these issues. Now, the conversation is just not going to make it on YouTube. YouTube is so unfair how they censor, you know, and a lot of people still don't understand that how YouTube does this. And you'll, you'll, you'll go over to Rumble. This will be on Rumble. And if you want to watch the video, you know, you can go watch it on Rumble and you'll be like, wow, I've heard, you know, all of this stuff before in other places on YouTube, but that's not how it works. They still give you strikes for uh, content producers like me and small people, and they're just arbitrarily, I don't know who else gets it, but Al talks about getting a strike too. So you just can't do it on YouTube anymore. You get striked out and then all the rest of your content that's ever been on there throughout history, you know, gets taken down as well. So a lot of these shows that I'm going to do are going to wind up going straight to Rumble and that's okay. That's great. In the meantime, I'll play a couple of clips here that I'll kind of add in, and then you can just go to Rumble and find the rest of the show. Or most people listen to the show in podcast form, and there the censorship isn't so bad. So for the folks watching this on YouTube, here are those clips. For the rest of everybody, here's the full show. Welcome to Skeptica, where we explore controversial science and spirituality with leading researchers, thinkers, and their critics. Today, I welcome back Al Borealis, the Skeptico, host, creator of the fantastic Forum Borealis show. Al and I have hooked up on many occasions to chat about things. He's absolutely one of my favorite guests and friend. He he just has such a, a, a broad perspective on so many things that are happening. And then when guests intersect, where we've interviewed the same guest, I always find a special uh, reason to reach out to him and a special dynamic in the conversations that get generated off of that. So with that in mind, I reached out to Al because there's one topic that just kind of returns again and again in various forms. And then we've done a couple of interviews that kind of hit on it. I just don't see anyone talking about it at that level three depth that I'd like to get into. And as soon as I bring up the topic, 
you will know why those conversations don't exist. Don't know how far this we're going to go with this or where it's going to be censored or banned. But the conversation is really about Nazis and Jews. And uh, I know that's provocative right off the bat, but I got to say, I, I, I think one is defined by the other and the other is defined by the other. I mean, they, they are, they've become an inseparable pair in our history in a way that when you deconstruct it, I think is really strange. And I think it needs to be examined more thoroughly in terms of why these links exist, to what extent are they both manufactured and then used to kind of promote a certain narrative or promote a certain agenda or shape certain thinking. And then finally, how long has that been going on? I'm going to reach back and suggest that the the history here for that goes way, way back. And the social engineering goes right back with it to the beginning, if there ever is a beginning. So with that long introduction, but I think I've set the table. Al, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Thanks. I have my regular chair in your show now. You <laughs> I'm do. almost a co-host. But good, good to be get back always. You know, it's it's really been five months. By the time it's out, it's six oh. months. So, hey, that's I got to talk to you every six months. Yeah. This is my first show uh, in uh, three months. I've been off the road. Good. Private matters, but I'm back. Okay. So where I thought we might start is uh, Johnny Vedmore. Yeah. Since we both interviewed him about Johnny Vedmore is, of course, uh, partner with Whitney Webb at Unlimited Hangout. They've done some absolutely fantastic investigative reporting work. We both tuned into him when World Economic Forum stuff was especially heated up about a year ago. That seems to have slipped off the radar a little bit, but don't think for a second that they've that they've let up on the agenda at all. So uh, why don't you go back? And tell folks about why you felt like the World Economic Forum stuff was important at the at the time that you did it. And then let's try and link that back into this conversation I want to have about Nazis and Jews, because I think that jumps us right into the middle of it in some ways that you didn't fully explore on your interview with him, but I did. So I'm going to use that as kind of a battering ram to kind of pull you into this thing. I mean, why it's relevant, why it's important, do I really have to argue for that? But I wanted to focus on the Nazi roots of, I mean, there's Jewish roots too, right? We are Kissinger, but although he's not very Jewish. Kissinger is not very Jewish? Yeah, he's not very uh, Judaism. He's probably an atheist. Mm. But... Uh, I don't know how we, we you know we we need to define these things too both Nazis and Jews should we start with that maybe well we could but you know I'd like to jump I'll just start doing all the skeptical stuff like because yeah. I also did a show with Mark Gober who we've both interviewed and it was really after the Johnny Vedmore interview and I really focused on the link between Kissinger and Klaus Schwab. I think that tells us much, much more about what's going on there. And I think that the Nazi thing with Klaus Schwab is a major red herring to go back and look at his ties to the Third Reich with his father in that business. 
it's all bullshit. I mean, from a business perspective, <laughs> these guys were in the business of making turbines. If you're in the business of making turbines and you don't nuclear. partner with, well, well, they didn't start out as nuclear because there wasn't any nuclear at the beginning. But I, I'm just saying, if you're making a large scale industrial product like that and the Nazis come to party, if you're not kissing their ass and doing everything you can to become part of that, you're out of business. And they are on the verge of going out of business at various times in the twenties, like so many German businesses are. So I think the, the Nazi thing is a complete red herring. And that's what I pointed out in the Johnny Vedmore interview. What's really instructive, I think is the relationship with Henry Kissinger, because what that tells you is two things, as you pointed out. I mean, that's not very Nazi to partner with Henry Kissinger. And when you Obviously. say Henry Kissinger isn't very Jewish, I would I would completely disagree with you. And this is what I talked about. But he's a Zionist. That's a difference. You know, his history, and we talked about this with Mark Gober. I mean, his family leaves Germany like three days after Kristallnacht, you know? Yeah. Three days, like when we watch that German history and we see Kristallnacht, and if anyone forgets, you know, when the Nazis take over, they have the plan in place. They're already implementing it right off the bat. So they are going to get the Jews and they put the screws on very quickly, but they roll it out very quickly. And this Kristallnacht thing is where they go and they kind of incite everyone to go and shut down these Jewish businesses and Kristallnacht, you know, glass breaking to break all these windows and stuff like that. Well, his family, S -A. what's that? S A. Yeah. Yeah. S not S S but S A. S A, which is the, yeah, the bullies, the street bullies, right? They right. unleashed, unleashed them. They were created for that, but go on. Well, I, I guess, you know, the story. So I'm really saying it for the benefit of anyone who yep. doesn't quite know, but one of the questions I think we all have when we look at that history is we say, why didn't people get out? Well, a lot of people did get out and a lot of people tried to get out and couldn't get out. Jewish people we're talking about. So Kissinger's family gets out. They're like, okay, I don't need anything more. I don't need to know anything more. We're out of here. And they immigrate to the United States and what I thought was really interesting when I looked at Kissinger's background, and again, this doesn't get played out, and part of the reason is because there is this kind of alt-right, neo-Nazi, underpinning, red-ice radio kind of thing going on that we don't talk a lot about, but is part of this conspiracy culture that we are a part of. And that's another thing I want to sort out, and we'll get to that maybe next in just a minute. But the point, I guess, is that if you look at what happens to Henry Kissinger, he is an immigrant. He comes to the United States. He can't even speak the language. And because anti-Semitism is rampant in the United States, even in New York, even though they have a large population of Jews, he's walking on the other side of the street. You know, So when the Irish and the Italian kids are coming down the street, he's over on the other side of the street because you're going to get your ass kicked if you're a Jew especially if you're a Jew who can't speak the language. That's just kind of the rules of the street kind of thing. But anyways, he enlists in the army. He's a brilliant student, very smart guy, but he enlists in the army and he goes and fights and he's there. But because, and this is an interesting fact to it, I'd throw out, and again, I'm, I'm talking a lot here, but I want to make sure we have the same base of knowledge here when we talk. When, when he gets over there, 
one of the things that he has is a total command of the German language. And because he's Jewish, a lot of these guys were recruited. There is no chance that he has a sympathizer with the Nazis. So that makes him quite, quite interesting from an intelligence standpoint. So he immediately steps into that role, is recruited into that role as a very young kid, 22 years old. And here's a little factoid that I pulled out of that. That Again, I was kind of surprised that Johnny didn't go there because I think it's maybe the most significant fact. He starts doing basically project paperclip work before there was a project paperclip. And that is, it's the Battle of the Bulge. We're, you know, we're taking a lot of prisoners, a lot of Nazi prisoners. How are we going to find out the good ones from the bad ones? And when I say good ones from the bad ones, I don't mean the nice ones versus the bad ones. I mean the good ones in terms of ones we can use, you know, for our purposes versus the ones we have no use for. Enter Henry Kissinger, and he can go interrogate these guys, talk to these guys. He's completely fluent and completely fluent in the culture as well. But here's the point that I guess I was going to raise. He stays there until, catch this, 1948 in Germany. What that tells me is he is Project Paperclip. He might have been involved in the precursor to Project Paperclip. But if you were there doing this work at the Battle of the Bulge, and then you roll it, you you are one of those guys. That, it is a very, very important job to do. And I think he did that job. And now, doesn't that fit back into how we are to understand Klaus Schwab, World Economic Forum, the partnership with Kissinger, the plan for how we socially engineer culture? A lot right. on the table there. Take it a minute. Tell me. So much. Because... Um... You know, you, you often use the terminology 3D, 4D chess, right? And with all respect, and I love that you are focusing on this subject, uh, but with all due respect, I feel like you're um, operating right now in a two, 2D. Uh, or, or maybe you're operating in a 3D and I, I me on a 4D, and I'm going to explain why. Because what you say, you are pointing out apparent or seeming contradictions but I, I venture to you they are not in fact you just made the case without realizing it but I'll, I'll see if i can reconnect the dots so so you see what i think i see and i'm not alone by the way i've had i don't expect much from vedmore he's a current journalist so that he doesn't go into the deep background of these things i i, I never expect he knew more than i actually expected about these things uh, but I have hashed it out with others, of course, Pharrell. I recommend uh, those who bother listen to my shows to check out, I think it's the Hesmes part three, uh, where we go deep into Jews versus Nazis. And we do it in a couple of other shows too. I just don't remember, but just listen to my Nazi series. I have. Which, yeah, but, but I'm saying this to the listeners too. And of course, I've also had others on. But okay, back to the point. First of all, Look at a guy like George Soros. He was deliberately uh, collaborating with the Nazis, hunting down Jews and pretending not to be a Jew. Um, so it's not as easy 
You know, this concept of the self-hating Jew that they always use as a smear to anyone who want to criticize the fascist politics of Zionists, it, it kind of has, you know, every, anybody can have, you know, the psychological background explains a lot. And you just gave us the psychological background of Kissinger. He came to the new country. He was probably fed up being hunted down, being ostracized, be belonging to the underclass. So he very quickly ascended into Nazi circles. But now is the definition time. Because uh, really a Nazi was a follower of Hitler. He could mold and determine. He could have changed that po po any policy they were having overnight. And now that was the Nazi policy. Uh, we, we have to go deeper and we have to look at the structure. And the structure is fascism. Even communism can be fascism. Stalin was operating a fascism regime. We're talking about authoritarianism, right? We're talking about one central power. And the point of the system is not truth or untruth or right or wrong or justice or anything. The point of the system is central power will being implemented throughout the system from up to down. That's the definition of how... Um, Stalin did it. That's the definition of how Hitler did it. It's the definition of how Mussolini did it. But we get lost in these ideological definitions where the, which they are based upon. So because Stalin was based upon a red version and uh, Mussolini on a brown and Hitler on a black, then all oh, these are the differences. No, in, in if you were living, and especially if you were a dissident in any of these three regimes, it would be the exact same experience and outcome for you. So we have to nuance. Now, after Hitler fell, uh, see, there was a Nazi-friendly faction in the West. They were super powerful. I believe they killed FDR. I've been wanting to have a show about that, but there's very few experts on that. This We, 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 we refer to them with different uh, things in, in these shows that I've done about it. For example, we could call it the Anglo-American uh, fascist. These are the people who collaborated with Hess to try to, they tried to overthrow Hitler parallel with um, Churchill. So it's the Wall Street fascists. We have the Dulles brothers who are very famous representatives of these. These are the people that Smedley but. Butler was fighting against. They they go back even pre-45. For them, it was a tragedy what really happened. But they managed to take the power after FDR. Now, on the Nazi side, um, things were a bit different because they are, they, both the Churchill and the Hitler faction won. So the diehard Hitler Nazis, you know, with all the, you know, the, the racial stuff and all these symbols... They won. But after the war, um, power shifted to the moderate Nazis, those who were closer to the Wall Street Nazis, fascists, Wall Street fascists. So we have people who were Nazi sympathizers in the 30s who take over the American state in 45. This is the context and why it matters that uh, our friend... Uh, Klaus Schwab has a Nazi background, has to do with values. They were collaborating with South Africa. They were collaborating with Franco. They were collaborating with Peron's uh, Argentina because there was an invisible Nazi structure after the war, but it was no longer this primitive Nazism of 
goose-stepping in the streets like S.A. Bullis. It was the more sophisticated Nazism, the one that was aligned with the big German banks, the big conglomerates. They didn't really care about race and, and all, all these exotic stuff, but they were die-hard fascists. Uh, and uh, this value system has survived among the elites, both in the, because as you point out, uh, paperclip, which is just one of many um, ways of whitewashing them, they threw a few symbolic Nazis to the wolves, and then they wrapped up very quickly the whole thing, which is uh, unprecedented in terms of uh, winners or losers in the war. I remember when I went into the military, we saw a film, well, very interesting, we saw a film from '45 after the war, where um, an American propaganda movie where they were hailing communism and Soviet Union. Oh, these brave people who was our allies who was fighting against the Nazi scourge. And then we saw a new, the next propaganda movie they sent out just half a year after, completely switched after FDR, after FDR. Now it was, oh, Soviet Union, the new world uh, danger. So there was a deliberate the, bottom line. They seized power after FDR. They had a complete power switch in the system. Now they took all the useful Nazis, no matter how diehard they were. They threw a few to the wolves and, and, and wrapped that up. And now they took... Uh, and went with the huge multinational corporations that were were also fascist, who were uh, partly in Argentina, partly other places in the world. Ex-Nazis, very useful, skilled people, the leaders of the spy networks, reused, the leaders of the economy, reused, the leaders of the science, reused, all these useful things. Now, the problem which we which is why we we are focusing on it isn't this because people think it was america taking over the problem is that all of these people in the german in the axis side of the nazis were still loyal to bormann and no, hold on. i got to pull you up there before you go into the bormann thing let's go right to johnny vedmore's article that we both interviewed him about you can easily find it on Unlimited Hangout. One of the things that caught my attention is a brief history of Jewish persecution in Ravensburg. So one of the things that it mentions is the dates are unbelievable, like 1345. This uh, is basic history. It is, but this is well people, known. No, it's not. In Europe, it is. It's it's really, it's really, really not. Because when I talk okay. to people, and in particular, you know, I just pulled up also on a screen, this idea that the blood libel is another thing, is that, hey, the Jews are kidnapping little kids and killing them. And this has like been around for hundreds of years. And the Nazis just kind of reboot this idea. But it's it's old and it's very well kind of established in terms of the roots of this anti-Semitism. So... I think that most people do, un do not understand, and certainly I don't think Johnny put it in exactly the right perspective in terms of what it meant to be anti-Semitic. It was just 
as comfortable as putting on the worn pair of shoes. It's just what you did. It's what you believed. And what I think we don't get to, though, and I want to pull you in if we can, is the root cause of that. What is the root of that anti-Semitism? And if I can, I want to play you a clip. By the way, this is Ben Shapiro when he was on the Lex Friedman show. Very popular interview with millions of views. There are actually a few different ways that breaks down. Right? You have anti-Semitism in terms of ethnicity, which is like Nazi-esque anti-Semitism. Then there's sort of old school religious anti-Semitism, which is that the Jews are the killers of Christ or the Jews are the sons of pigs and monkeys. Uh, and therefore Judaism is bad and therefore Jews are bad. And, and then there's a sort of bizarre anti-Semitism that's political anti-Semitism. What I really want to draw people's attention to is how quickly he brushes past the religious connection here. You know, people understand the basic story of the Bible, but they don't really understand. They haven't read it. When you remind them of, of, of Matthew, let me pull that up for a second. So, Al, let me just read this into the show for all those Bible geeks out there. This is from Bible Hub, which is amazing because as I have up on the screen, they not only have the the quote from the Bible, but then they have all the different translations and versions of it. Everybody knows this, but you don't really know it. It's when Pontius Pilate washes his hands. And in a minute, we'll talk about the historicity of this and whether we think it's historically accurate. But first, we have to get to just what it is. What is Ben Shapiro talking about? Why do Christians hate Jews? I'm going to suggest that you can't do otherwise if you're a Christian and you believe in the Bible. Here's Matthew 27, start with 24. When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing— but that instead a riot was breaking out. He took water and washed his hands before the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said, referring to Jesus, right? You bear responsibility. And here's the point. Here's the 1350 Ravensburg. Here's the uh, right up until the Nazis persecution of anti-Semitism. The crowd says, all the people, that's all the Jews, his blood will be on us and our children. I'll just cut off right there. That's the whole story. And we never talk about that. We never talk about that. This has been drilled in generation after generation. And even when it gets glossed over, this is it. Jesus's blood is on the Jews and all our children if you believe in the Bible. If you're a fundamentalist, yes. But first of all... What do you mean by that? I don't think, look, go back to the quote here. You really think the masses said, or all the people answered, his blood be on us and on our children. This is someone who's written this thing. First of all, there's different versions of this story, okay? You choose in Matthew. There are not. That's why I pulled up Bible Hub. Read over here. Here are all the different translations, and they all say exactly the same thing, or almost exactly the same thing. And and that's the four Gospels that survived the purge. Uh, there are at least 12, one for each disciple. And uh, uh, the thing is, these are, uh, even if you're a fundamentalist Christian, and even if you believe that those people who lived there and then said, it's on us, it's on us. By the same logic, 
we should blame Americans for the war crimes of Iraq, for example, or Libya, because the masses were stupid, they were brainwashed, and they were supporting what the leaders did. The people with real power back then were the Romans. You might yeah, as but, well but hate Romans well, I, as I, Jews. I, but you get but what my I'm point, saying here. You get what I'm saying. I'm, I'm pointing out that what, what gets glossed over is the fact that anti-Semitism is built into Christianity in a fundamental way that doesn't get talked about. And instead it gets talked about, you're, you're kind of shaking your head back and forth. Because no, uh, I haven't even no made my way, point. There is no way of getting around this. So if you want to... There is. No, it, <laughs> the way of getting around it is to point out that these are fake religions i, I can Jews, suggest another way around it i'll say into the bible and most of these abrahamic scriptures is built in an excuse to hunt down and hate almost any group so i, I don't understand why this is such a big deal it's such a big deal because if you do go back to josephus as you just referenced that you knew yep. i would yep. <laughs> so i pulled up the quote that I often reference, but I have to hammer on it because just not enough people understand this. And this is Josephus, who again, you mentioned, is a Roman propaganda agent. He's a Jew in Galilee and Vespasian lands to kind of clean up the Jewish problem with his son Titus. And we have evidence of this, right? We have archaeological evidence. at the. We still have in Rome the Arch of Titus. And it's this huge arch that they would build after these conquests. And it shows the Roman soldiers with this heavy Jewish gold on their shoulders, you know, the Star David and all these other things, all these other relics that they brought back from Judea. Josephus is with them, converts, if you will, becomes a traitor for money because he gets this big villa, Vespasian gives him his house in Rome, and he moves to Rome afterwards. And in exchange, he writes the history of Vespasian's conquest. But what so few people realize and is that not only is he a propaganda agent, but we have clear evidence that he was engaged in a social engineering project, which yeah, puts a totally that. different view on Pontius mm. Pilate, because we can only interpret Pontius Pilate the same way. That, that's my point. Is you, That's the only way to interpret it. But mm. here's the quote from Josephus. This is Josephus. He, and Josephus, by the way, if you read The Jewish War, his most famous book, he starts out the book. <laughs> it's classic. He starts out the book by saying, look, man, there's a lot of historians out there that like to kind of sling a lot of bullshit. I don't. I'm going to tell it to you straight, and I don't uh, stand for any of that other stuff. I always tell you the truth. And the truth is, I know this stuff better than anybody. First of all, I'm the Jew of Jews. You know, know more about all the teachings. The rabbis at the temple were sitting at my feet when I was 15 years old. I was teaching them. So now, It reminds me of Paul, only they went the opposite way. <laughs> only the, the difference here is... Josephus is is writing history, and he knows he, he claims to be writing history. Let's say, but that is yeah. The, but even back then, history didn't mean what it means today. Just we don't know. we don't know we don't know what history meant 
to the yeah, people. we know. We have uh, Herodot, for example. We have ancient historians. My point is, mm. we don't know what it meant to them. And I suspect right. is that it meant what history means to us. No, I don't think people were reading Josephus going, eh, you know, I, I read a, I read a blog post that was pretty critical of that. I think I'm like, you didn't get a lot of information. I suspect that it was even more kind of single source uh, news thing. Here's the quote he wrote. This is Josephus speaking. And he's talking to people both in Judea and also throughout the Roman Empire about what happened in Judea, mm -hmm. why this war even existed, the Jewish war. That's what he's writing about. Mm -hmm. But what more than all else incited them to war was an ambiguous oracle, likewise found in their sacred scriptures to the effect that one from their country would become ruler of the world. This they understood to mean someone of their own race, and many of their wise men went astray in their interpretation of it. The oracle, however, in reality, signified the sovereignty of Vespasian, who was proclaimed emperor on Jewish soil. I've got to break this down a little bit with a little bit of history. So again, I'm telling you the perspective from which Josephus is writing this. What he's doing now is this thunder god religion of Judaism, which if you trace it back, is highly influenced by all these other religions, most notably Zoroastrianism, which gives it this kind of monotheism. And it wasn't like that before. It used to be kind of just this thunder God. We have a God of our, which everybody thought, you know, so the Jews thought, Hey, we have a, we have a God of our kind of little people. And he also is related to the thunder God and stuff. And then it shifts over time, like all these religions do, because they're just instruments of control. But now we this, fast. This is a super exoteric view on religions. You, you really don't grasp. This description doesn't really grasp. So, so here's First the point. First of all, what people thought. Here, here's the point, is back to uh, when the, the, the point at which this is being written, the, the people of Judea, the Jewish people of Judea, are very tied to these ideas of prophecy and oracles, what's going mm -hmm. to happen. And right. that's how they understand their world. They interpret things that are happening. They say, hey, that's right out of our book. This must be happening. So what Josephus is playing up on here is that, hey, you know, there's this oracle that you guys have tied to really closely. That's that the Messiah was going to come. This is the Messiah oracle, right? And it said, you always thought that this would be of your own race. But what you didn't realize is if you twist it a little bit, Vespasian, who is Roman, right? He becomes the Roman emperor on Jewish soil, which is a total coincidence in history. So it is a real, it's a real rigging of classic social engineering in order to make this fit. But there's no other way, in my opinion, there's no other way to interpret this. This is social engineering in process, and this will cause us to look differently at Pontius Pilate washing his hands and their stain beyond my people forever. Because we, we have to, we know this is true, then we have to ask if that is true. You know who would be a great guest for this portion of, of the history? Pharrell. He is a theologian, as you know, and... Uh, He's discussed, he's written thesis on, on stuff that uh, can be related to this. 
and 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 he's discussed some of it with me. But anyway, so let's say then that uh, Josephus was doing this psyop on behest of the Roman Empire. Uh, how how are you connecting? Uh, uh, we can discuss it, but isn't there a bigger picture you want to connect this to? The bigger picture yeah. is is religion as we know it. Is that mm -hmm. our our starting point needs to be that religion is a social engineering project. And everyone kind of nods their head and goes, okay, yeah, I get it. You know, the Catholics and the Pope and all that stuff. It's like, no, bro, from the beginning, it was always about that. Look, the, the reason I'm, I'm so passionate about it is because I connect it to the current understanding we have of extended consciousness, primarily near-death experience, is that God is real. There are these extended realms. There is a moral imperative. There, Jews have the ability to connect with God, apparently, in the same way that Christians do, in the same way that Muslims do, in the same way that atheists do. And I don't understand exactly how that works, but if I follow and, and the data— tastes. Yeah. Any, <laughs> any agnostics and everyone else. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how that works, but my interpretation of the data following the scientific data for survival of consciousness suggests that that is the most parsimonious example. So what we have to do then is square that with religion and it doesn't square. And we can't stop patting religious people on the head and go, well, you have faith and that's wonderful yeah. and whatever. What you you have to deconstruct it in this way, and then other things begin to fall out. And Crystal Knock looks very different after you read Josephus. Uh, I don't see the link to the Nazis, but um, look, religions start uh, by some genuine spiritual impulse being hijacked by people who want control and power. It happens not just in the Abrahamic religions. The Abrahamic religions just happens to be very effective tools in terms of the theology, because you can create better excuses there to suppress sin and war and whatnot than many other religions. So that's how they, because they, if there was such a person as Jesus, and I believe he did exist, then uh, he was actually an initiate of because we, what you have to understand, there's something new happening. There is first the original religions on earth, which I, I won't even go back to shamanism. There's those who think that's how it began. But that's in the traditional evolutionary model of us being Stone Age people and then gradually advancing. I don't even adhere to that. I, I know from the facts uh, that uh, there's always been advanced and so-called primitive or simple cultures living side by side all the time. But what we do have as at least an origin point is paganism, not meaning Vicca and bullshit like that, but meaning, like if you go to India today, you'll see Hinduism isn't a religion, it's just an umbrella notion for very old spiritual impulses. Many of them can be very different, actually. And the same was the true in the West and everywhere else among the Amero-Indians, among the Chinese. You, everywhere you go, you have those traditions, and they all claim themselves they are, go back to the golden age, before the fall, whatever that is. It's reliable to regard it as an Atlantis, but where before something terrible happened in the world, and we were forced to become hunter-gatherers or Stone Age people, because whatever advanced structures we had, 
were collapsing. So these religions were not power institutions. They were uh, they were operating more like the modern world of mystery schools, like schools of light where you get education. And they had two versions. They had one for the initiate, those who were committed, like monks or devoted people who wanted to devote themselves to understanding. Because back then they didn't distinguish between science and religion. The words science and religion are new modern words. So it was just about truth. And then you had a version for the masses, those who, uh, especially as uh, agriculture started to uh, spread a lot and people didn't have time and energy, uh, cities were rebuilding to devote themselves. And they got this primitive version uh, that we now can call religion. So Jesus and his disciples had nothing to do with what we call Christianity today. What we call Christianity today is basically Paulism. It's Paul more than any other who has shaped the both the practice and the theology of that. You can also ad, uh, adhere it to uh, uh, Constantine. He too was uh, instrumental, at least to establish the church as a power institution. But yes, you're right. What happens is that genuine spiritual impulses however they are infatuated, becomes hijacked when they become big enough, when they become useful enough. It, you don't even need conspiracy. You just need to understand human nature. Sooner or later, if you're operating something big, it can even be a business. Someone who wants power and money and control are going to fight to take it over. I don't care what it is. It can be Greenpeace. It can be the Communist Party. It can be the Freemasonic order, you name it. That's what happens. And of course, this happened with Christianity too. Now, uh, I need you to explain to me how this is relevant for our actual discussion, as I understood it, was about Jews and Nazis. So so what is the big uh, connection bit here? Because this part of history that you're discussing with me now, you've had a million shows about it already with others, more competent people than me, in many respects, and I suggest you get on Pharrell too. I, I'm, I'm more interested in what happened after this and, and up until our days. Well, I think we kind of started there and, and worked our way back in that I'd again, but I'll try and roll it forward. Yep. I don't agree with your characterization about how the Jews are treated throughout history. I think the Jews have a special relationship with the Christians that's built into the stew again. It's built into Pontius Pilate saying that phony scene. It's just as phony as Josephus saying, hey, man, you got the Messiah. That's Vespasian. The next fake phony thing is Pontius Pilate saying, gosh, I, I met with this guy. I, man, I'm trying to go along with you guys, but this guy, he seems like a good guy to me, this Jesus guy. I wash my hands. And the Jews say, no, 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 he's got to go down. Let it be on us. That creates a special relationship between Christianity and Judaism. And both are participating in that relationship because there is no logical reason for Judaism to survive, to thrive, other than as kind of the Bobo doll, the kick him when he's down object 
of Christianity. Christianity defines but Judaism. But Judaism didn't survive. What's called Judaism today isn't the same. You know, Hebrew was a dead language 100 years ago. They reconstruct it. It's like we take Latin and we implement it. How can you it. say that? I mean, that goes because everything we've talked about in the last hour. No. The Judaism doesn't survive. Oh, when, this when, is too deep, man. Uh, no, if you no, talk no. with experts in, in, in Judaism, no, in the religion. No, hold up, hold up. Most uh, of the stra uh, Judaic stra strains are dead. What has survived and is called Judaism today is a small segment of the original religions. Very fundamentalist very poor representation of Judaism. There is also some mystical things that have survived, like Kabbalah, etc. But basically, most of Judaism is dead. We have some survivors like the Hasidic Jews and other groups. But anyway, you know what I realized from, from it was useful for us to go back because I just realized that what happened there, according to at least your take on it, is exactly the same that happened uh, uh, with the Nazis after the World War II. See, the, uh, you, uh, and, and, and maybe this was you were misspoken, but you were right because you said uh, the Christians and the Jews were having a special relationship. Fact is, Josephus was, were operating um, before they managed to hijack Christianity. But it seems that that faction that Josephus represented, it's the exact same philosophy and ideology who took over Christianity. And by year 325, uh, after the third uh, council in Ikea, they had complete control over Christianity. That's when they flushed out all among others, not just, but among others, the Gnostics. So it seems to me that that psyop that begun, who knows when it began, but at least that Josephus represented, that they succeeded in taking over Christianity. I think it's the same people who Paul represented, because he's he's exact same figure as Josephus. Josephus was a Jew. He was fighting against the Romans. Something happened. You speculate he he got a knife on his throat, and then he he was a chicken shit and sold him out. And now he became more uh, <laughs> Catholic than the Pope. The same happened with Paul. Paul was hunting down Christians. He was a mercenary. He was a Roman mercenary again working for the Roman state like Josephus and then he had this bullshit uh, that this is my uh, skepticism revelation on the on the path to Damascus oh a cross in the sky and now I'm suddenly look if I was in his shoes I would realize eventually god damn it this Christian virus is taking off I can't just we can't just stop it by me killing random individuals how can I really stop this uh, revolutionary impulse Hmm. What if I pollute the whole thing? What if we take over the whole ideology? That's what eventually they ended up doing, Paul did. And that's what I think Josephus represents also in terms of the uh, Jews. So they both have a similar function. And this is very similar also, but we can talk about that later, what happened with the Nazis after the Second World War. I don't know if you we grasp the essence of what the... I'm saying here. Well... <laughs> I totally understand. I just, I, I really disagree in, in a fundamental okay. way, but that's okay because, yeah. you know, if, if we can't get to the point where we're in that kind of genuine disagreement, then we're probably at the 
precursor to that where we're just completely yeah. talking past each other and we are not Maybe. talking past each other we are okay. basically handling the same set of facts i love it council of nosea constantine you know all that you know sees the, the we could we could spend hours on that but i really want to poke you because it's the skeptical way inquiry to perpetuate doubt i you said okay alex but i don't see the link and then i said well the link is right here the link is the blood libel. The link is Jews are killing Christian children. And this is like from 1500, they're saying that. And then in yeah. 1600, they're saying that. And then it dies down for a little, hey, we can all get along, can't we, here? And then- Oh, oh wait a minute. Up, uh, put a dent back. on that. Uh, Toledo in Spain, just one example of many. 1492. Complete opposite thing happened. Uh, you also have it in this ancient city of uh, what the f was but it? But you're kind of you're kind of slipping. No, no, past wait, the wait, point. wait. The opposite happens too. There are oases in Europe in this period where not only are they getting along, they are directly cooperating. There are schools of right. education: of Muslims, Christians, uh, Jews, even non-Abrahamic religions are represented. So, so if we cherry pick parts of history in Europe where they have been. Uh, knocking down on Jews, then we also need to balance that with the opposite having no, happened, we, we or at least to. balance it with we, other we, people than Jews being knocked down too, not just we don't. Jews. We, we don't, because okay. what we're talking about, what you tried to bring us back to, and I'm going to bring you yeah. back, I'm going to yeah, bring yeah. you back where you did, is okay. the Nazis, right? So what I'm saying is the justification that the Nazis give to the general population in Germany and the world. Because remember, at the beginning, the Nazis are kind of like, well, what should we do with these people? Should we just ship them all out? We want to, we hate them. We want to get rid of them. And there's there's a lot of, uh, well, like, don't send them over here kind of thing. Ship them to Madagascar, for example. And the point is, the point is that I'm making is, if you don't go there in terms of tracing that back to the Josephus thing that I mentioned, to the Pontius Pilate washing of your hands thing, and I, I still want to push you on that because you go, well, you know, fundamentals. No, that is, you can, the fundamental belief of Christianity is Jesus and that Jesus dies on the cross. This is the, the fundamental point that he is of rebelling Paulian against. Christianity, yes. He is rebelling against the Jews. He's rebelling against the Jewish priests. And he goes to the Roman governor and says, I don't see any problem with this guy. I wash my hands. So when, when Hitler reboots the blood libel, and the idea that the Jews are actually kidnapping little Christian kids and eating them and doing all this other, he is tapping into a deep, deep, psychologically planted social engineering project that began 2,000 years ago. And so that's point number one. And I'm going to slip mm. in point number two, is the only reason that that stays alive is because Judaism is dragged along in the wake of Christianity. Yes, Christianity is fake and it's manufactured by Constantine and it's used and stuff like that, but you can't have Christianity go forward through all this history without dragging Judaism along. And every once in a while, as you point out, not all the time, but every once in a while, you can dredge it up and use the same old thing and say, gosh darn those Jews. And remember, they killed Jesus. Don't forget that. And that's what this thing is about. Well, 
uh, do people care that he killed Jesus? I mean, I don't think that anything is about this. I think this is one of the intellectual or theological excuses they can use um, against Jews. Because God knows Catholics did it. But you have to look at the pattern of how power uh, operates. It's like saying, you know what? It's like saying, oh, they're smacking down on the right wing. The right wing. They're smacking down on every wing that is not a part of the establishment. This is like, oh, we are specially chosen as suppressed people. They can see, say they are Jesus killers, right? Uh, but um, at the end of the day, you should also hate uh, Italians then because uh, the Jews wouldn't be in that position if it wasn't for Pilatus. So it, it doesn't make really a big sense that this is so big. And who really cares? Who really cares today? Uh, yes, it's a ex very good excuse. So let's grant, uh, grant that it's an excuse. But uh, uh, the big picture is that power does what it needs to smack down on dissent. And uh, uh, with the Nazis, uh, they uh, didn't even need the religion thing because they were just flirting with Christianity in the beginning when they needed to build up the Nazi party. Eventually, they came clean and said, you know, maybe parts of Catholicism was preserved because of the Bayern, heavy Bayern influence in the Nazi philosophy. But certainly very soon, they smacked down on the Protestant Christianity. So uh, some of ultra-conservative Catholics they preserved, but they had no qualms with the fact that we don't even care about religion, especially not Christianity, because that's a slave religion. We actually prefer Islam. Well, let's have Islamic SS battalions, because that religion works very well because of its demand and submission to mold fanatical soldiers. And by the way, Islam has also built in, uh, for historical reasons, an, an enmity with uh, Jews. So this is perfect for us. All the time we've already have pointed out Jews as our main scapegoat. So, um, but, um, uh, and then it came clean with right, the elite, at least, in the Nazi party, are more hailing to uh, a revised, again, a hijacked version, but a revised version of Norse paganism, right? And occultism. So um, I don't think this who killed Jesus is, is a big deal in terms of the actual, I think it's a very good excuse for whoever needs it. But having said all that, I actually don't think that the Jews have any special claim, and this will get you program banned probably from YouTube. Uh, they have been persecuted, but they haven't been exceptionally persecuted compared to other minorities, uh, other than that you can say that in Europe they have for certain periods, because they much more than the other represented a power, potential power bastion, and they represented a sec uh, secluding option that is dangerous for power because uh, they couldn't control them. In addition, they had very brilliant people, people who were smart people, people who were good at doing things that at the end of the day also can be regarded as a threat to the powers that be. So so the Jews have been sitting ducks. They, they've secluded themselves. They've been uh, shunned. Uh, they haven't done themselves any favors in terms of being sitting ducks. 
uh, of course, the blame is on the people who persecute. But uh, look, if if Jesus wasn't uh, killed by Jews, uh, history would have to invent it, <laughs> to paraphrase uh, our saying. You understand what I mean? I, I do. And now you're really treading into this water that I wanted to talk about, because I think yeah. there is this, what you're saying to me is bordering on anti-Semitic. It really is just in terms of your interpretation of that history. And I'm not saying that. I'm saying that's the place where it goes. And so many in the community of the conspiracy have gone the smear there. So, man. It doesn't mean anything anymore. Well, let's, let's listen to uh, Dr. Jason Giorgiani, uh, that my interview with him. And this interview was about image cheapening because he went alt-right. He went yeah. alt-right for a very specific reason. And I'll remind people of this. He is uh, an advocate for Iran and an advocate for the Iranian people whose country was... I would say Persian. No, he, he kind of corrected me in the interview and he said... Oh, okay. He said, really, it's not... Uh, uh, Persia is kind of the slang and it really traces right. back to Iran and Iranian and the origin of the word and... Aryan. Well, he, he has a PhD, so when he kind of corrects you on that stuff with a long paragraph, you kind of go, okay, I learned mm -hmm. something. But here's his thing, is he's like, Iran has been overrun by these fundamentalist Muslims. I don't like that. So politically, I'm looking for a way in, a way to facilitate the regime change that needs to happen. And this is back a few years ago. And what that leads him to, he, he looks to the left and he goes, they're not going to have any part of that. And he looks to the right and he says, yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe I could get in with Trump. Maybe I could... Uh, push this agenda. It fits more on that side than it does on the other side. And all I care about is a kind of regime change in Iran. So here's the interview that leads to his alt-right image cheapening by partnering with the holohoxers, which is what I want to talk about next is holohox denial and how it has worked into so many ways and we can't root it out. And I think kind of there's even some traces of it in in what you're saying maybe not maybe not so we'll see reach steve bannon and then influence bannon on iran policy that was the idea uh, and in order to facilitate this uh it was proposed that i take arctos and fuse it with two other um right-wing institutions uh something called red ice radio and television which, by the way, used to be a paranormal broadcaster. They had nothing to do with right-wing politics. Time out, time out, because here's where the thing starts sliding off yeah. the rails. Uh, so Heinrich from Red Ice, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I know who he is. I've listened to him for a long time. And he used and to be like Art Bell back in the he day. He used to be like Art Bell. Yeah. And he would occasionally kind of slip into this, you know, kind of hola hoaxer kind of nonsense but you could kind of forgive it because it was a very small part of the content and hey shouldn't we be open to research even if it's wacky research and yeah and all sorts of wacky stuff turns out to be real and stuff like that but i mean at this point now i mean he is full 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 on neo-nazi hola hoaxer 
kind of thing. So are, are you saying- I haven't, spoke, I haven't spoken to him for four years, so I have no idea. You know, I have no well, idea you can just go to his website. I mean, it's the great one is how he refers to uh, Hitler. He regularly has on people who are just, uh, you know, the whole whole hoaxer thing really, it, I guess it really tweaks me a little bit because it's anti-intellectual, anti history it seems like an op to me because it, it's just trying well, that, to this i can tell you it's not an op um i knew him quite well and and the more important point is that when i knew him back then he wasn't like that okay so we got to remember this is 2016 and if you go back and you look at what red ice was putting out in 2016 he had only just barely started to turn in a kind of right wing political direction most of his shows up to that point had been basically you know, coextensive with coast to coast content. It was about 9 11. It was. I'll stop it. I'll stop it there. <laughs> you could tell me what you think of Heinrich and Red Ice, but I think in 2016, he was still slinging the. All right, man, he was starting to sling the anti Semitism stuff pretty strong and the neo Nazi great one, uh, the maybe poor. Poor Adolf Hitler is misunderstood. And the the place they always go to, which I want to talk about a little bit if we touch on, is the six million number, which is the key. If ever they bring up six million, like, hey, maybe it's not six million. Then you know they're whole hoaxers. You know they're whole hoax deniers. No, I disagree with that. But it's interesting uh, with the red eyes. Why do you disagree? Uh, I'll tell you. But it's, you ask me my opinion of, of this, and I, I haven't commented upon it. Many people have told us after we started that uh, they look at us at, as the reincarnation of it because I think they ruined their own show going all political. It's true that they had an interesting show in the beginning, but then you can see, like you say, you can see the gradual political priority uh, taking place, but then there's like an exaggerate almost overnight. It's like it goes slow, 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 and then boom. And the, the show is completely transformed. So something happened there. What? I don't know. Uh, but um, uh, I agree with you that there is probably a PSYOP component to the uh, revisionism wave that w went on back then. It doesn't mean that those guys are a part of that, that they are deliberate. Uh, uh, if anything, I think they're stooges for it. Uh, but he was, Giordani was saying they are not compromised, those people. Uh, he may be right about that, but you may still be right about the uh, holohoax uh, psyop. But look, we have to be able to be nuanced. We have to be able to have different thoughts in our mind. It's If you're going to play the, if you say the wrong thing, then you belong to that faction. Then, then we're back to the black and white and the smear thing. Like anyone is, you know, it's like saying, um, if, you, if you're really an anti-racist, you should really smack down on people who abuse the anti-Semit claim because it waters it out and it means nothing. If you're for women, you should really knock down on women who give fake rape uh, accusations because it hurts women who are actually raped. Do you understand the philosophy here? So in the same manner, you you should be able to discuss the six million thing without being, oh, you're a denier. I, for my sake, have seen enough historic evidence to doubt 
this six million thing. You've I discussed. Looked at, you've looked at the wrong evidence. I looked at reports uh, before the Second World War where they say six million Jews have been uh, slaughtered. Six million Jews. Have been, it, this number goes back in time. So you I, can I, see I got, it from newspapers. I had this. No, it's just it's just bullshit. It's just whole hoax or bullshit. And you know, I got pulled into this discussion just. Recently, yep. I, every once in a while, I do. Somebody shows up on the forum. They're usually, I hate to say it, but they're usually from a Scandinavian country. And the last guy was from Sweden. And he starts spinning this stuff. And their entry point in is always the six million. And I had a, a discussion with uh, Jan Irvin uh, a while back, uh, who kind of became famous. And it's always this very subtle kind of, they don't want to come right out and do it because, oh my God, they're so persecuted for just doing research. We're just doing research. Well, when someone puts out an idea, that idea should be tested. And when it doesn't hold up, then it should take its rightful place. Not all ideas are kind of partially true equally, you know, the whole flat earth. Well, I, I guess I should be spherically neutral about the shape of the earth because I don't want to offend anyone. Everyone's ideas are equal. So here's the thing on the 6 million. First of all, the Nazis themselves at Nuremberg said 6 million. <laughs> that was their figure. And those guys were pretty good at counting and they don't get it wrong. Which but Nazis the were these? Because the problem is that the guy who was behind it, they didn't take. That's number one. Number two, uh, at Nuremberg, they had a gun to their head. Number three, those who were thrown to the Nuremberg process were the Nazis that uh, they did not cooperate with. Yada, the real anti-Semitists were, were... Yada, yada. It's, it's no, just No, no, the real anti-Semitists were friends with Americans. just bullshit from hola hoaxers who are trying to advance Look, that idea. Goering, the conversation Goering, that the conversation Goering was that I, at the Nuremberg. I'm going to share know that, with right? you. I'm sharing on the screen more recent research. Right, so, uh, and I'll comment that. Let me just say, Goering was at the Nuremberg. He okay. said, "Who who is a Jew? or not, I decide who is a Jew or not. He wasn't very particularly anti-Semit. Um, but here's the point. Let's get, let's get to the number. Let's get yep. to the number. Because when, so I was forced because of this exchange that I had to kind of go do some, is there new research being done? Which is one of the other claims that the whole hoaxers make is like, hey, they're shutting down the research. No. It's very easy to find research. Here's what I found an article quantifying. There's no debate. This is in some countries is banned by law. Well, uh, it, it, this contradicts what you're saying here, Al, because I'm now sharing yep. on the screen okay, a published paper. Here mm -hmm. it's published in Science Advances, but it's a it's a published paper and you can see the authors and their affiliations and everything else. And what they show is they went back and they, they're playing out the fact that they had some, you know, unique way of using the data sets, the data sets that already have, that everybody has. And but Eichmann, Eichmann was not in the, in, in the, they never took him and he's uh, allegedly the one behind it. And uh, his second in command were, were the dead before, before the, uh, uh, the trials. So I, I don't see how you can say that they said it themselves. But let's see, what does it say here? It says, uh, using unusual data set originating from railway transport records, this study identifies an extensive phase of hyper-intense killing in which 1.47, a million and a half Jews, more than 25% of the Jews killed over the six years of, the, of World War II, were murdered by the Nazi in an intense 100-day 
three-month surge. So 1.5 million are murdered in 90 days. And that is... Before the Allies take over. Uh, yeah, I think that's they're in a, a hurry, event. right? To they're in a hurry to get rid of all the camp juice before well, the Allies. Well, we can go in and, and look at, the, but this, if you go and read this article, they kind of have all the the breakdown of where they got all this data, and yeah, it's six million. That's the number. I, I didn't see that number. I saw one point five. Which is 25%. Actually, they say more than 25% of the Jews killed during the six years. Well, if you mm. read further on, they have the breakdown of the whole six years, and it adds up to basically just a shade under 6 million. So, Look, let me say this. I have to say a couple of things. It's very important. Number one, this area can't be discussed freely in today's climate. It's, no, no, no. Let, let, let me see. let me make some important points. Number one, it's banned by law. You will be arrested if you have the wrong view on this uh, thing in some countries in Europe today. Uh, moreover, you're being censored and guaranteed smeared if you even try to have another opinion. You'll end up like the red eyes people sitting in a basement in the complete underground. Rare, rare, rare. That's number one. So. Therefore, per definition, there is no clean research. There is no like, oh, sophisticated, we are hashing it out, we're looking objectively on all this. It's too much emotional, uh, it's too uh, emotionally loaded, it's too many agendas. There's a lot of stuff, uh, vested interests in a particular narrative. So we can't pretend that this is like any other objective trivial thing that we can hash out with thesis, antithesis, synthesis. That's number one. I'm not saying there's no six million Jews. I'm just saying this isn't a clean topic to pretend that we can find out. I haven't even read this article, so I can't really comment upon it. What I can comment upon, I will, and I will do it now. But before I do that, I want to uh, make my position clear here. Number one, my grandfather, and this is why you will find more Nazis in Sweden than in Norway, my grandfather was uh, in the resistance movement. He was spreading news about what was going on. They caught him. They tortured him. <laughs> removed his one of his fingers. He had nightmares like all these uh, war heroes in our country to his de death. I remember being a child and, wow, what's this noise? Oh, it's just grandpa, grandpa having nightmares again. So... Uh, Norwegians have no incentive to be pro-Nazis uh, historically. Uh, most people have someone in their family like me, uh, higher up, who were, uh, you know, uh, tasted Nazism on their body. Uh, number three, uh, it, we, it doesn't matter if it was six million Jews or four million Jews or one million Jews. This is the big point. So I don't understand these people who... Uh, you know, they, they start with doubting the numbers and then they end, end up seeking Heil, right? Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. All we need to know is what was this po political ideology? What did it lead to? Uh, what, what, you know, what, what, what good is it or what bad is it? It's plenty of bad stuff. You don't need the number of Jews or people dying to know this is, this is a rather... Uh, non-constructive thing to be organizing 
society by. And that's the important thing because there are mechanisms in the Nazi uh, philosophy and ideology that has survived. They got rid of some exotic stuff like the racial stuff, etc., but it's still going super strong today. And uh, we can get more back to that. So, look, they were a suppressive, they were anti-liberty. That's all you need to know. You had no freedom to, uh, if they had won, you and me could not say that six million Jews died because we would have been in even more trouble than we are in now if we say they didn't die. You understand? So, so I don't. I never understood these people who find problems with the pro war propaganda and then go full Nazis because obviously after forty-five, the victor write the history, and obviously there has been lies and propaganda exaggerations alterings of facts. This is what happens in, in uh, propaganda, and especially after a war is won. So when I see historical, uh, what looks as uh, propaganda and lies in the aftermath, for example, that Hitler died, I don't become a Nazi by that. I just realized, okay, these are one of the things, like the moon landing thing. Of course, there were this was a big propaganda stone towards Soviet Union. So, like but that doesn't mean like they never went to the moon. It's the nuance. You have to have the nuance. What did you say? I said, let's not get sidetracked on the moon. I mean, that could be like five. Yeah, 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 I agree. But it's an example of you have to have nuance. It doesn't mean either well, we went uh, to the moon yeah, and it was exactly as they told us or we didn't go and okay. everything is a lie. There are realities somewhere in between. And I think the same is here because here's why I'm, I, I, I cannot say honestly, 100%, that uh, I'm convinced it was 6 million Jews. Why can't I say that? Is it because well, I have an emotional agenda or a political? No, it's because I have seen, and I can show you the same thing because these are excerpts show me. from- Show me, you haven't shown me anything. I keep showing you stuff and you haven't shown I me. Will if show you want to come but... back, if you want to come back and show me, show me. But otherwise- Go I keep. Oh, I will show you. I will show you. The classic. So, this is the classic thing. Look, the ethos of Skeptico is follow the data, look for the deception, and then use discernment. Yeah. So yeah. the data keeps what I'm pointing doing. to six million, and the data is important for you to say. A couple of times you've tried to slide. You know, well, what difference does it really make if uh, Joseph, if Josephus said You'd, that, and yeah. then he washed his hands, and that we've always had this relationship between Christianity and Judaism? Hell, yes, it matters. It matters because the Nazis rebooted that as an as a way of persecuting the Jews. And now you brought up six. Does it really matter if it's six million or five million or one million? It does, because here's the facts. Follow the data. Who said it at Nurem Who said it at Nuremberg? Uh, right here in this article, you'll see that it's uh, no less than our friend Adolf Eichmann. And uh, here he says in, in Wait a minute, Eichmann wasn't in Nuremberg. He I, correct. So the conversation he had with Eichmann. The, uh, so it said at Nuremberg, but it's also said by Eichmann according to the 1961 testimony of this guy who recalled how Eichmann told me that according to his information, some 6 million Jews had perished and until then 4 million in, ext in extermination camps and the remaining 2 million through shooting in the operation units and other causes of disease. And then in here, they also have the Nuremberg testimony. So in November, 1945 hotel, who is the guy just mentioned testified for the prosecution at the Nuremberg trials. So it is said at Nuremberg 
and no one denies it at Nuremberg. It's the well-known figure. And if you got something else, you, you can bring it. I do. But, okay. Pop it up yeah. on the screen. Well, I don't have it readily available, but you can find it among other things in Pharrell's book. He republishes yeah, bring it, it there. Bring it. Sure. Well, we can lay it over here in the aftermath of the show as an illustration. Here's the th two things that make me doubt that figure. And again, if even if they just caught, killed one Jew, I would have the exact same opinion of them well, as no, if they killed six men. No, no, no. A regime killing people murdering people is a bad regime why would the numbers matter one person's life is as matter. much no no if 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 a regime is killing okay where do you draw the line then is it okay to kill thousand people is it okay to kill ten thousand where do you draw the line it's when important do they become to bad? understand the data and it's important to understand the deception what you are pointing that's not out, my question uh, but here, here you say it doesn't matter. Uh, you, you say it matters. I say it doesn't matter. The data, the so data if it always matters, matters. The data always matters because it no, does no, no, make no, 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 a million no. versus six million. A million versus six million does matter. And part of the reason that it matters, both in terms of understanding history, in the same way of understanding whether or not Josephus really wrote that, understanding whether or not. Uh, Pontius Pilate really said that those facts matter. And when Christians gloss over that, and it, like you said, which is the ultimate cop out, but I get it. You know, who cares? Who cares really? Well, if you're Christian, you have to care. If you're supporting in some way, if you're justifying or in some way saying, hey, maybe that Hitler guy wasn't so bad, maybe the regime wasn't bad, you better get the data right. And if you say he he was really, really bad, and we should do everything we can to make sure that that, that, that doesn't happen, and we should root out the extent to which I agree, to which Henry Kissinger, God bless him, but He's he brought about the values, Fourth man. Reich. He brought the Fourth Reich to the U.S., and we are yeah. living in the Nazification yeah. of America, yes, which we yes. won't even get to because that's the subtle point. You better that's the interesting those, part. You better get those numbers right as a starting point, and you better understand the deception. You better we can't get them the right. people who we, are calling it, those numbers out as a way to not use it. So you can say you can never get there, but I just showed you a study where they got... No, what do you make of the following then? Because you're an honest guy, so you will follow the data. Here's the data I've seen. I've seen the uh, newspaper articles, genuine, uh, you know, representations from back in the day. No, no, not falsifications. You can pull them up yourself. Where they say uh, six million Jews terminated, four million Jews terminated. This is before the Second World War. This goes back to uh, turn of 1800, 1900. I discussed this with Farrell, and we 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 kind of thought there was something ritualistic about this. Well, as for the number of Jews killed in the Second World War or in the camps, or what, uh, because those are two different things, I've seen also newspaper articles starting with, I think it was 2 million and then going up to 4 and then going up to 6. So I've seen different figures there. And if there were 6 million people died in the camp, all of them weren't Jews. But if there were 6 million Jews died in the camp, then you have to throw in a few more million to account for homosexuals, handicapped, communists, socialists, union workers, Catholics, um, gypsies, etc. So uh, all in all, millions of millions perished. I'm saying from a value uh, uh, vantage point, it doesn't matter if it was 10,000 or 6 million. 
Why on earth would you follow a regime killing 10,000? Why on earth would you follow a regime killing 100 people? You can just analyze Nazism or any kind of fascism and you can see, okay, these people are not for freedom. They are not going to, truth will have no matter here because it's all about the will of, of whoever is in charge. Uh, like we see in today's corporatism, censorship, smearing, uh, demonization. Uh, also, it's the, the, the less intelligent people you know, mediocrity is being promoted. Intelligent people and intelligent society is decaying in such systems. So you don't need six million Jews to be against a Nazi philosophy. Any thinking person would be against Nazi philosophy. But if you're into truth, then you owe it to your intellectual honesty to say, hey, hey there's something wrong with some of these most extreme. Send me the gas chamber debate. I never studied that thing. So I, I will never, I will never say that I'm convinced that everybody was perished by gas chamber. What I know is that Jews and non-Jews died in the camps. That's enough for me. I don't care if they were gassed or they were tortured in other ways. That's all we need. So this is like a derailing of the whole point of the discussion when people start discussing these numbers and making a lot of vest investments for whatever these numbers are. It's crazy, man. But if we are to discuss these numbers, we have to be honest. And I'm honest because I've seen different numbers being published back in the day. Um, I've not read these studies. I can't relate to that, but I can relate to what the news media, who were propagandists back in the day, said about these things. I also have seen newspapers going back to the late 1800s where they claimed 4 million Jews dead, 6 million Jews dead. What on earth is, is this about? Are we saying 6 million Jews have died like every 20 years since the late 1800s? No, it's impossible. So something is up here. There's some kind of psyop. There's some kind of propaganda thing. There's some kind of vested interest. And we are being sidetracked if we marry ourselves to the details of the propaganda. And then it's an either or. Either you're against Nazism or you're for Nazism, and how you approach these small snippets of propaganda points will determine that. No, that's crazy, man. You can be against Nazism just by a neutral analysis. Look, if they never came to power, but they published what they were thinking, you could still be against Nazism because it's all there in their uh, philosophy. All fascism, uh, uh, you can just analyse and realise you're against this. And... Uh, uh, when it comes to, uh, I challenge you again, at what number is it okay for a regime to kill innocent people since that's you say it bad. matters? Well, <laughs> it doesn't matter. One person, and that's enough it for matters. me. It's a murder regime. Well, of course, of course it matters. And, you know, so again, you're going to bring it, but, you know, here's another article. I was just pulling up. All okay, okay, okay. 10,000. Where is the limit if it matters how many they kill? I say one is more is one too much. No one. You say that. no. You it has to be really, six million. You don't. Really yes, believe I really that. believe that. No, of course it, I believe that. The important. Well, okay, point. let's take an individual. At what point is an individual murderer to be punished? Is it when he kills one person? Is it when he kills ten person? Is it when he kills hundred people? When is it okay to to murder? So you're gonna you're gonna bring your evidence. The latest article that I brought up said what I've heard every scholar who's ever looked at it is the number ranges between five million and six million, and most well, of the four, four and six. 
according to newspaper published after the World War. Well, and, I just pulled up an article, and if you read it, it says that the, the article published right after at, at the Nuremberg, it was the, if you want it, okay, so you, you kind of brought it up. But so there's different newspapers. It. Exactly, right, so... Mm-hmm. And there were no Nazi newspapers after after they they lost the war. There are several ways in which historians have been able, but to they do admit the that there's six million these methods. That's interesting. So they do admit there were different claims. Okay. Yes, there are several ways in Good. which historians have been able to derive a figure of nearly six million, and the fact that these methods have not changed since the Jewish death toll was declared at the Nuremberg trials in 1945, because it was declared there. The Tribunal of Nuremberg declared that the number of Jewish victims to be 5.7 million. The Tribunal's calculations, as well as subsequent ones, first examined pre-war and post-war census to determine the population of Jews in Europe before and after the war. Then they go on and they have a bunch of different ways of calculating it. They have the meticulous records at the death camps. When is this study from? Well, this is, is right the... after. This is right after at the Nuremberg. study you're citing. At Nuremberg Trials, 1945. No, no, no. That's a source. I'm talking about the study, the article. The, the study is uh, 2019. Mm. Okay. 2019, 1.5 million in 100 days. So, yeah, it's just, you, you know, so t- just to be on, a, what I'm seeking is, again, the, the deceptive part of this and how it's used and how it's been used over and over again, which is this uh, six million figure is the nose of the camel to get people into this kind of whole hoax denial. Hey, you don't really know anything. There's co- some conspiracy against well, the Nazis. Well, I've seen I've seen the gas chamber as the nose of the camel. I've seen uh, other things uh, at least as effective uh, being the nose of the camel. They oh here's evidence for this, evidence for that, blah blah blah. I never bothered to look into it. So therefore, I cannot, you know, make an opinion. But I don't. Again, I don't need it. I know they killed people. <laughs> I mean, it's still not long enough time have gone by to really, honestly, say that. Yeah, if it were two thousand years ago, we could doubt, right? But there's still people alive today who were victims, and certainly relatives of people alive today so we, we we don't really need but but for you it matters obviously how what, many no no what matters to me is the red ice thing is the red ice radio thing and the undercurrent of the whole hoaxer kind of vibe in right. our community because i've run into it multiple times and that's what i think holo hoaxing does and holocaust denial does is it sucks people in and it breaks apart this genuine concern we have of back to Klaus Schwab and what they're trying to socially engineer us into. If they can carve off a piece of that group and say, oh, there they are. Those are the guys out there with the neo-Nazi flags and go talk to them. And they'll tell you they have a bunch of reasons to believe it. And they'll say, hey, did you ever look at the six million figure? And did you know the gas chambers? And they'll have and they'll call it research. And if you listen, if you're not tuned into this, if you haven't done your own research, at the end of the day, you'll say, gee, maybe there is something to those guys. Maybe there Mm. is something to flat earth. Maybe there is something to no rabies, no virus. And now you've quarantined yourself into this intellectual ghetto that you can't get out of, but you'll find Mm. good company. Because it's suppressed. It shouldn't be suppressed. It should all be in the open. 
and we should use um, arguments and truths. This is a, 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 a unintended consequence by dumbing down society. People don't have the ability to do source criticism. They don't have the ability to do proper analysis. They don't know how to do real research. I remember this uh, video, what's it called? Uh, it's about Hitler. Um, some, some dude in England took, he made a propaganda movie, basically. And people, impressive youths watching that who doesn't know much about history, they end up thinking that, you know, poor Hitler and poor Nazis. Um, what's it called? It's one of the most famous ones. It was in YouTube, had millions of views. So, yeah, people are not skilled enough to... Uh, yeah, people will be uh, persuaded by uh, whatever uh, propaganda manipulation techniques come their way. Like I'm sure the Jews were when they were screaming for Jesus' blood. Uh, so this is there's nothing new in history here. But um, uh, what's interesting to discuss, Alex, is the point you because we've we we're stuck in two D now, and it bores me deep into the soul. What is important to uh, point out here is that while people are fighting about labels and about outer manifestations, like for example, you have Nazis, Nazi sympathizers, who believe that uh, uh, Hitler. Uh, killed themselves, and then you have Nazis who believed he didn't kill himself, and they can't even agree. And then you have anti-Nazis believing he killed himself, and then you have anti-Nazis who doubt he killed himself. And all four factions use their story to argue for why this is important. Now we're getting somewhere because if you just realize that power do not is only loyal to one thing, and that is power. It is to mammon. It is to it's money, control, brute force, and it will use anything to stay. Authoritarian power will use anything to maintain control. The only thing, actually, in modern times, threatening it, as I see it, is Bitcoin. But that's another debate. Now, if we realize that, then we will see that uh, why the power, the 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 Wall Street fascists and the whitewashed Nazis uh, joined forces after World War II. And there, the story could have ended there, and you could make a natural evolution up until today. But the story, unfortunately, didn't end there, because those on the Nazi sides were loyal to um, an exile power, uh, symbolized through Martin Bormann. Bormann died um, before... Uh, you know, in the early 70s, and another guy took over. And this faction has been very active as a part of the power uh, system. Another thing happened. Israel became uh, a fascist uh, regime very early, and uh, they buried the hatchet. The last person they went after was Eichmann. After that, even uh, the Nazi hunter Simon Wiesenthal was complaining about this. After that, they made a deal with uh, the powers in Argentina, the exile Reich, if you want. And that was to move. Now everything would, was to become corporatism. And uh, uh, if you analyze the Israeli regime, it is uh, like the South African regime was. It is apartheid and it is uh, heavily... Uh, fascist and authoritarian. It has some semblance still of democracy. It does. 
but uh, it's very uh, root uh, decaying, uh, accelerated. Now, this is also an apparent contradiction, huh? Why could, uh, how could uh, the Jewish state, which was to be a, supposed to be a sanctuary for Jews, how could that, you know, develop so close to Nazism? You know, we are the chosen people. Because this is how history works. Uh, it's not about the outer things. It's about the inner things. This is why Christianity, for example, can go, or Islam started as a Christian sect. You can have a system starting with one values, but sooner or later it's taken over and it starts expressing other values. So um, today we have a, a semi-fascist structure taking over in the West, especially in America. But I would say include Europe too, because there's no really dissent anymore. Taken over. It's the corporatism. But on the value things, where Hitler were insisting on goose-stepping and, uh, you know, measuring the sizes of heads or the pigment in the eyes or, you know, stuff like that, they have replaced that with the Vogue thing because they can take anything. If you go back to Bush's, uh, George Bush, when he was the symbolic uh, figurehead, then it was more Christian conservatism, values. So this authoritarian uh, creature can have any value system attached to it. I believe that they are using whatever is trending in the culture, but they don't really care about homosexuals. They don't really care about, you know, pregnant women, etc. Uh, at the end of the day, they only care about what they need to maintain their system, but they use whatever is in vogue or, or, or dominant in, in the or a trend in the system. So right now they're using vogue. But that vogueness thing, I think it will die. And I don't think it's long till we see it die, but it will be completely replaced with something else. Maybe the pendulum will switch back to, you know, the opposite that women back to the home and uh, <laughs> the man should who knows what values will be infused into it i believe anyway politics shouldn't deal with those things i think culture should deal with those things politics should focus on how we organize society the economics the structure etc but that's just me hey so to my point then we have the same we have the natural successors of these fascists this the children and grandchildren of these people are still in power. And I don't think these children and the, the, these grandchildren believe in those old ideals anymore. Because when Kissinger grew up, they were actually racist. The people surrounding him were the old Wall Street fascist people. And they were thoroughly racist and they were uh, thoroughly sexist and they were thoroughly, you know, I don't always call for other religions, but they had those views. They have died out. But has the system changed? On the outside, yes. We've had, uh, you know, the hippie revolution, or oh, free sex. So certain cultural values have changed. But if you look at the real mechanisms of what's going on politically, it's worse, I would say, now than ever. Uh, or maybe it's not worse than ever because it was probably worse before we got the internet. But we had this taste of freedom for a while. And now they try to roll it back to how it was before the internet. Only it's, it's going to be worse because before the internet, we had free press, physical press. We don't have that anymore. So we're stuck in fascism and we don't realize it because we're, we, we just look at the symbolism. Oh, what is the color of the flag? 
what is the you know uh, uh, what do they call it uh, value briefing no um they have this expression you know so you brief. a little bit closer to the mic if you can yeah value briefing is that what they call it when you ah you know you 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 virtue signaling you know the virtue signal and they fall for that it, it's like the old cartoon one american bomb is gray the other one has rainbow flags and etc this is the difference this is the difference without distinction this is what we have to understand and it's true if you go back 2000 years to the Josephus things and the birth of christianity it's true about the 1945 and the holocaust and it's not just in sim this is the last point i want to make in this rant it's not just the symbolism that's the same uh i mean uh, not the symbol the essence that's the same it's not just the archetype or the values that are, is the same it's also it's more it's worse than that it's an historical lineage it's an actual inheritance it's the same people in power and the children of those people and you can track this historically i've done this in many shows plenty of researchers has done it you can track it historically back so you see a direct line it's not just that bankers woke up one day and now they you know agree with their forebears it's the direct line it's the same people it's the same factions it's the same values these values are anti-humanistic they are anti-liberty and they are pro-elite but that elite doesn't have to be defined religiously in terms of Jew or Christian it doesn't have to be defined ethnically like you know an Aryan or, or a Jew or whatever if that's even a ethnicity it, you can put an or, or class for that matter so it's the elites and how they have you know the, the ruling philosophy and the elites and, and the future elites are heading all the way down to transhumanism which has been present among all these manifestations not just the nazis so so that's my point and if we discuss it like that then we can elevate this discussion to a more 3 or 4d uh, level so let me ask you this as we kind of move to kind of wrap this up so to, you know back to my original premise for kind of doing this show and you've been you've added a lot to it and i knew that you would because i know this is something that you've looked at from a lot of different angles different from me but to what extent the the basic premise from these johnny vedmore thing and the klaus schwab thing and his I think it's a head fake to to, to tie that to the Nazis, uh, unless we're going to say Same tie values. it to the American Nazis. Were the Nazis? You know, it's Henry Kissinger is the next Nazi that is the uh, no, it's worse paper than that. clip that is part of this thing. Okay. So, to what extent do our understanding of Nazis? define our understanding of Jews? To what extent does our understanding of Jews define our understanding of Nazis? I'll let you have the floor. Okay, look, wrap look, it up, but I do want to say thank you so much for doing this with me. Yeah, but this is, oh, it's a new bag. Look, man, the American state was hijacked after World War II. And the final um, move, the final step of that hijack was the assassination of JFK. By the way, oh, I hope RFK can make a difference. But 
this the, you have to understand that this plague is still among us and it goes directly back to the nazis it does not go back to the hitler faction because hitler went rogue okay so so they uh, kind of uh, he, he was authorized eventually but it goes back to the the value system that they had it goes also back to the american fascists the wall street fascists let's just call them that and these people try to fuse and topple Churchill and Hitler it uh, with the uh, has coming to England etc it failed but they managed to fuse it uh, after the war after FDR died or was killed and um, but but whatever you think up until that point whether you think or um Roosevelt was killed or whether you think Hitler survived, it doesn't matter because you can just start there and then you can see that they fused. They fused with the networks, with the spy networks. They fused with the banking and the corporation system. They fused with the uh, scientists and CIA became dominated by Nazis loyal to an extraterritorial state, not loyal to the president. They lost control on the American side. Yeah, no, this is the Joseph Farrell stuff. It just and and Not I'm, just I'm down with some. Yeah, I'm down with some of that. But I mean, but, you're kind of going a far field because I was bringing it back to the to the Jewish thing, which you can't yeah, I really will, square I will, I will that. Tie it you, to the, you the Jews. You can't. No, 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 no. You can't square that. And that's one of the things that they go. The people go with that with the breakaway civilization. You can't account for. You know, Epstein was about, and it's so interesting to hear all the people who are interested now and. In, in Epstein and all the rest the of that. Anti-Semitic I mean, Nazis Mossad. died. He out. is Mossad. I mean, yeah. Epstein is Mossad. At the same time, he's working and for the Zionism. CIA. So I think you know, you, yeah. I, I don't want to go there into the two D, three D, five D. Who the cares? And that's a, a no. But, but we can term. take a two D. But the uh, point, the point is that that there is another there is another player on the field, as Joseph Farrell correctly points out, that has to be kind of factored in here and we can't do it in the time we have left we've already gone no. for two and a half hours but so. let, let's not let's not factor them in let's just see that the cia uh the nato nasa uh, the corporations and the banking system just take those five power players among many even un actually we're dominated by people with the same value system both on the american side and on the exile nazi side and uh, included in this became the new jewish state uh, the new jewish state was uh, started out like a socialist project but it soon ended up uh, in uh, a fascist uh, manifestation which evidence is the zionist is, evidence isn't there for that you know it's a really good book i don't know if you read it phenomena by uh, annie jacobson and she traces the whole oh mind God. control thing and the whole thing yeah, to, and, and to soviet yeah it's a psyop the whole book is a psyop uh, what what is a, what is psyopy about it? Which 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 of her book, by the way? I, I just told you, to. phenomena. Oh, okay. I was referring to the one, uh, the Roswell uh, uh, thing. Well, uh, I don't trust her because she uh, here's the reason. First of but, all, that, that, you, you don't know the you don't know the the research. So the but the point is, if you look oh. at phenomena you look at the history of mk ultra you look at the history of mind control you look at the she's uh, a limited hangout man 
she is a limited hangout, but when a limited hangout is hanging out more than anyone else, then that is your starting point for the limited hangout. And so, you know, the, the, a limited hangout against what is the mainstream scientific understanding, which is that the consciousness is totally a byproduct of the brain and nothing happens and there is no extended realm. So we need a limited hangout that rejects yeah. that idea. And we also Better need remember. A, the, one of the most compelling parts I thought of the book is at the end when she's talking about Uri Geller and mm -hmm. the long history of the early Uri Geller. And anyone you know can go watch the videos that they did at the Stanford Research Institute of the experiments they did with Uri Geller. But where she is at, she's in Israel with Uri Geller. And he's going around and bending all the spoons like he does, which doesn't make any sense. It completely defies our understanding of science in the same way that UFOs do. You cannot bend spoons like that. It's not a trick. Other people, Dean Radin has one on his, has one on his desk of a bent spoon, not by Uri Geller. There's literally hundreds and hundreds of people who have attended spoon bending parties and this happens. So it's real. But Uri Geller is there meeting with Mossad intelligence Why? while Annie Jacobson is there at the residence mm. of the prime minister. So it puts a different perspective. No, it's not all, oh, these fascists are kind of teamed up. Everyone has their own jersey and is playing their own game. And that's ah, back factions among the power elite? Sure. Well, factions and power elites, I mean, factions among... The war, you say power elite, somebody has to run the world. So that that is that is the point, really. That's throughout history, someone is going to grab control and run the world, and it's going to be one group or another. So it is factions among the power yeah. elite. That's history. Yep. Yep. Well, I mean, there's no contradiction. Uh, this is the problem. People think it's a contradiction because suddenly they say, see, Jews or Zionists, which isn't the same thing, uh, in play. Some Jews and some Zionists in play. And even the state of Israel and Mossad in play. Of course, they have been a part of the power elite since, uh, uh, I don't know, 60s at least. So that's not a contradiction. Uh, as for Annie Jacobson, remember her sources are, it's like this real whistleblowers versus fake. Vinman or whatever they call yeah, it. He's called this Ukrainian guy who... Who, who did uh, uh, Trumpgate, uh, no, uh, Russiagate, he's boosted by the by the powers that be. Whereas you know about, Assange is rotting. What do you know that is fake yeah, so, about what she's no, reporting no, on MKUltra? Let me, let me I, answer that. I know it pretty well, and I didn't find it. I, know. I didn't find anything that contradicted what I already knew. The only thing I found is limited hangout, pulling yeah. up short of, in the same way that you do, which is that, the, oh, I'll explain real... it. It's a good question, but give me time to to explain it. So, what she did with the book before there is that she uh, as soon as in the book before there, yeah, it's a pattern. It's a pattern. Let me explain. First, she immediately after Farrell's book, Roswell and the Rush, she comes out and says, "Yes, it's exactly like that. Only it was the Soviet. It wasn't the Nazis, because here the vested interest is to derail our attention from how much." The Nazification happened with American state. Liberty, all that shit went out the door. The wrong people won. The right people were eliminated. 
And her sources are official. Her sources are Roswell thing is silly. It doesn't doesn't even... matter. Doesn't matter. The problem is that people can't realize that Nazis were amalgamated into the American system because with the the Nazis comes values, uh, and her sources are all you know lining up official people still in. It's like all your reasons for doubting the Tom DeLonge thing applies to her. Only you're not applying it to her. Then comes the next book. And you will notice something. Everything she writes about is already written about. She's really taking stuff that is already there. And then she's... That's not true with Phenomena. Read, I'll tell you what, I'm going to even cut this out. Read Phenomena and we can come back and and talk about it. But I don't think you... I mean, what do you know about Uri Geller? (laughs) What do I know? I've never met him. but, But, But you don't even think he's real. Oh, yeah, yeah. A real uh, how? That his abilities are real? Yes. Yeah, I'm open to that. Yes, You're absolutely. open to that. Yeah. Yeah, you, I mean... Are, I, you, are you open to the possibility that he's uh, fake? I remember. You know what? I was uh, 16 years old. I saw a recording of him on Norwegian television, a recording, 10-year-old recording or something. And he appealed to everyone at home to do something, and I did it. I can't remember if it was a spoon or the clock because I've, I've been manipulating clocks and spoon all my life. And I think it, happened, it was the right? clock. Of course it happened. And then I realized later that it was a recording. I thought it was live. You understand? Yeah. That's my first meeting, I think, with Uri Geller. So, he, so a broken clock started to work. And he was the, he was the, like the uh, nexus for that of course it was my own um but yes yeah so so that's my first meeting with Yuri Geller so this this foray into extended consciousness contradicts a lot of this other stuff that you spin out there you know because this would immediately yeah because this immediately take us to non-human intelligence right because that is the big barrier to non-human intelligence is that consciousness can't survive death. Consciousness can't leave the body. So we'd immediately have to look at non-human intelligence, particularly ET intelligence in a completely different perspective. Now your buddy, Joseph Farrell, who I'm always picking on, is he down with that in terms of there are these extended consciousness realms where things are happening that are uh, from a conventional scientific physics standpoint, unexplainable. It is unexplainable that Uri Geller can do that, that Uri Geller can precipitate you doing that. It's uh, it, it therefore takes all physics and puts physics as kind of a, it obsoletes physics as being completely incomplete in terms of our understanding, our understanding of propulsion, our understanding of how UFOs work, our understanding, our understanding of interstellar tr- travel. All that is out the window because you made that clock move. Do you get that? Yeah, I guess you can. You can uh, put all that. Look, look, if if you show me a miracle, I'm not gonna change my paradigm 20 uh, you talked to the wrong guy 99% will change their paradigm if I was a skeptic change it to 100% but in my paradigm uh, there's room for it's much more nuanced than that so I don't need a miracle to like oh now I changed my mind there's room for many many potential um, nuances to 
either that or that. So in Jacobson's case, I'm sure that there's an agenda they want out, but they know already that this, look, the point of a limited hangout isn't to, isn't to neither to contradict the established or to introduce a revolution. It is to stifle the revolution because so many already doubt the official that we have to spin this dissent. So we put in something that admits that, yes, the official isn't true, but here is how it is true. You understand? So that we don't start, you know, going to... And this is the same with the, with the Holocaust thing. It's like as soon as people start doubting some of the propaganda that was made, then, oh, you're supposed to be a Nazi if you don't. I don't buy into that. I don't so, buy into that either, but that's not the kind of conversation we want to have. The kind no, of conversation no, we want to have. But, but that is what people do, right? Well, uh, that's what not us people, not the, the two of us talking here. But the, the thing that, the that I would challenge on, and, and we can follow yeah. up on any of these, and I'll roll into the show if you want to just send me a telegram message with some of this stuff. But Joseph Farrell and Roswell Nazi thing is, is a non-starter once you understand that you made that clock move. Because when you make that clock move, now you have to incorporate in all the remote viewing stuff all the stuff outside of consciousness, all the Joe McMonagle, uh remote viewing Mars a million years ago. You have to, John Brandenburg and the profiles of the isotopes, all that comes into play. Joseph Farrell has his fingers in the dike saying, look guys, I'm gonna give you this explanation that keeps everything in this materialist paradigm. As soon as that dam breaks, then the most parsimonious explanation is UFO, UAP, non-human intelligence, ET. It just is. Uh, again, that's a black-white thing I don't buy into. There's well, room there's a in reality on, there's burden for Nazis. On one side or the other. Look, someone, you, we agree that human beings master anti-gravity, right? Uh, I don't no. care who. Okay, no. so you don't so, think any... No well, human I mean, in history, if, if, if in you, ancient times, in this time, no, no deep state. Nobody has ever managed to break the laws of the physics we presented. Well, if you expand it, like you know, like uh, a, a lot of people really like uh, who's that guy is on Joe Rogan all the time, Eric Weinstein. Yeah, I do not. I think he's. I think there's so many holes in his argument be super popular millions and millions of views mm. on rogan and lex friedman all the rest of that but the one thing that he says as a, a, a an elite mathematician who's plugged into physics he goes anti-gravity he goes look here are the people here's the line of uh, published work from back in the 50s he goes i know the line of uh who's connected to this technology he goes i've talked to those people they do not, they say there's no there there in terms of people who are working on it. He said, we'd love to work on it. We have this guy down here in Austin, Texas, this guy here, but I know the research. It isn't there. And that's another Joseph Farrell kind of silliness. Is that so you think Bob Lassar is making it up? Yes. Mm. Okay. Well, I mean, if, Lazar, if there's no, if there's no black Lazar research. is exposed by this, this most recent round. I mean, he, he Stanton Friedman, kind of busted his ass five years ago. But okay, okay, but, and never mind that. If it's only white research, there's no such thing as black research. 
Of course there's know. black it research. Is. Of course. Okay. But there's no black research in gravity. Only yes, COVID. Yes, there, there and- is. But so if you take, here's what you do to, if you want to get as close as you could to understanding that, is you take the smartest guy in the room, and I don't think Eric Weinstein is the smartest guy in the room, no. but let's let him stand in because- but the smartest guys are hijacked into black projects. No, that's this. That's his point, is that we still have a basically functioning- uh, academia and research community that is filled with uh, co-conspirators and and he himself admits that now more than ever it's stifled it's not uh, yes but the point uh, is we can it. we can trace the fingerprints of the scientists who would be involved in okay, this okay let me ask you this can, hold on do you understand do you understand my point so you yeah. can follow their record of published papers you can follow the record of okay. their research you can follow the record of their research associates and the people that work under them and you can go talk to them and you can put together a pretty good record of is there some huge thing that is outside of that. And, and you say, well, you know what? There wasn't enough time. There isn't enough time in the day to have all that kind of stuff. Okay. Okay. Let, 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 let's, let's move away from that approach. I have another approach that will bring back the same point. Although in the fifties, there were open articles about their anti-gravity yes. research. But let me ask you this. Are you open to the idea that there are some physical organisms, humanoids, no, let's forget about biological beings as ufos like that they are biological or extra dimensional or time travelers all that are you open to the idea that on some other planet or or or, or bo- celestial body there are beings who has who master anti-gravity sure. are you open to that idea sure okay then i don't understand what is the big deal with humans not mastering it then it's it's a sure. chicken and egg, right? If, if if we were created by aliens, still, who created them? That's my point, right? So if they can master anti-gravity, it's just a matter of... Sure, fine. Right? Fine. Okay. But there's no evidence. There's no evidence for that. The evidence points the other direction. The evidence points that we've been helped along the way. I mean, that's... That's the oh, way you goes would... into evidence and, and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, it's what... back to it's back to Josephus. It's back to yeah. real stuff that we can dig up. It's back to whether we have that gold coin that shows that Pontius Pilate really did live. It's following yeah. the data the best we can, uh, the best we can, because we're never the, the data conclusive. we are allowed to follow. Yes, this is why we need freedom. If there's no freedom in um, in research, if there's no freedom in, uh, as long as there are systemic power centers that, you know, you can use COVID. Why are they having uh, these black sites, these uh, bio uh, labs around the world? Black, right? As long as there are things like that going on, we cannot pretend that this is a clear and open and honest discussion because we know that those who have the money and the power are doing stuff behind our back. We know they are vested in us only, you know, accepting parts of the paradigm. So if we were living in a society that was completely free, everything was open, you would have a, a, a point. But those of us who know that there's monkey business, like you and me, we knew it already during the uh, pandemic, then we have to apply that from to your all show areas. first. I huh? got it from your show first. Whatever. If it if you didn't get it from there, you would get it from somewhere else, right? But the point is, we must do the same 
on all areas. And then we must look for the exceptions. And when we find exceptions, let's say, for example, uh, whistleblowers coming out saying that uh, there is black project on anti-gravity. When we see independent researchers mastering uh, anti-gravity and getting eliminated. When we see the newspaper articles in the 50s uh, about announcing that they want scientists yeah, but to now we're just we're rehashing the same thing and i'm going to edit some of yeah, this but, stuff down because we but, rehash the same thing my point is like a lot of people it's back to the six million it really is al it's like you just want to say well six well how do we really know it's back to flat earth well do you really know have you really heard the arguments to get that and do you put water on a basketball it flows off how does yeah. this you have to drill into it as far as you can. And I would suggest to you, when you drill into the anti-gravity stuff, even though I'm not an Eric, uh, Eric Weinstein fan, Eric Weinstein, I, I'm, I'm not a fan. It, it's, or, or Weinstein, I would say, but I don't know. It, his, I'll tell you one thing, methodology, it's, it's his method, his methodology, his methodology for coming closer to understanding that is solid. And that's to say, look at the individuals involved and look at the volume of research that they're producing. And if you see a big hole, then, okay, maybe there's a black project there that fills that hole. And then he, the other thing he's saying is go back to those papers in the 50s and follow those people, follow their path, follow who, what institution they're at. They're at Caltech, they're at MIT. Okay, who else was there? Who else at the same time? That is the but kind of a genealogy. Hold on, let me finish. Kind of a genealogy of science. And if you were to do that, then you would say, if there's some big gaps, then we got a problem. But okay, I'll give you two gaps. Big, hold on. If there aren't any big gaps, then it's it's more of this flat earth bullshit. It's rabies, uh, no virus bullshit. It's there wasn't Either really or. six million Jews. But here's, here's a few gaps. What about Reagan admitting that we have a space fleet, but per, per then it was it could have six people at the same time. What about the hacker in England? Who found out uh, even the names of these of this space fleet? What about the uh, what sure. about uh, uh, up to what's the number now? Thirty trillion missing money from Pentagon going straight into these black projects. Have, now you, listened being to, have you listened to the latest episode of Skeptico with the woman who works with uh, my lab? Vic, do you know what my lab is? Uh, military abductions. Okay, right. So that's three. You know, you want to talk about three D, four D chess? That yeah. is. That, my friend, is several huge steps beyond what you're talking about in terms of, uh, you know. Oh, can you give the gist of it? I'm going to check the show out, but. Here's the gist, gist of it. Here's the gist of it that, that just drives me nuts. <laughs> a lot of stuff drives me nuts. That's why I so love talking to you, man. We have a good, we have these good conversations. If you accept as the, if you accept right now that we are post-disclosure, that it is yeah. now accepted official that there are these things that are flying around out there. And I've spoken, you know, on this show to the guy who was on the boat, who shot, who saw him and was trailing, tracing them through his radar and did so for a week and saw them and then went up on deck and actually saw them through the scope. And this is in addition, then he sent the fighter pilots out who saw him. So that is now disclosed open. That is the, if you want to go against that, you say, well, that isn't real or that's something else. You are now kind of the burden of proof is on you. But if you mm -hmm. accept that there, that this is now a part of our reality, 
then you have to accept the most parsimonious explanation is that those craft are piloted by non-human intelligence. In some form or another, there is some non-human intelligence that is piloting that. If you do that, the problem is that that data dovetails with the alien abduction data, which again, I'd point out to people, you know, people like John Mack at Harvard, probably one of the most respected psychiatrists in the world at that time at Harvard. And he went into it to kind of debunk it to debunk Bud Hopkins in the 19, I don't want to say the date because I don't know, but, and he's a Pulitzer prize winner. He's a super elite guy. And he comes right. through and he tries to debunk. He goes, I can't. These people from all yeah. my uh, clinical experience, these people are telling the truth and they're not delusional and they're not making this up. But he concluded there was more consciousness based than biological. Uh, yes, but that, that's for people who want to bury the lead. The lead is mm -hmm. that for the most part, their story right. is consistent, that they went on a craft, they were right. abducted. Here's the, here's the military abduction part of that that you wanted me to get to, and I know it takes a long time. If you get to that point, then of course there's military abductions. You would expect military abductions. You would expect our military intelligence to at the very least want to know what happened when you were abducted. What kind of technology do they have? What are they interested in? What is their agenda? These are intelligence issues. If they weren't, if they weren't corralling those people, harassing those people, kidnapping those people, all the things, abducting those people, all those things that we know that they do. If they mm -hmm. weren't doing that and trying to extract that information from them, we would be surprised. Right. Yes, absolutely. In in, in this day and age. <laughs> but your, your big point is that uh, there's some kind of um, either or black and white thing. Either it's consciousness or it's physical. To me, it's 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 not either or. It's both and. We well, live to in the a people who've experienced world. it. It's definitely physical. It's definitely beings. It's definitely craft. It's all those things. So if you want to, but you just made the argument earlier. This is why I wanted you to admit there was anti gravity. You just made the argument that if Geller did that thing with consciousness, then forget about all the physical stuff and. And Joseph Farrell saying Nazis. I'm just saying Nazis can master advanced technology. Doesn't mean consciousness doesn't exist. Doesn't mean miracles doesn't exist. I'm saying there's room. It's for complicated. Both thing. It's complicated. Yeah, but yeah. the part that the part that kind of tweaks me is that uh, the data that that you're trying to overturn is that what they're saying is that there are physical that there is physical craft in some cases that yeah, these people absolutely. have traveled from another star system in well, some cases well we don't know where they traveled that from that is well, hold it they do know i mean that's look, what if they, they have traveled from another star system then they're per definition you, time you, you, travelers you, the, the, you cannot Al, travel Al, in time no, without Al, space Al, Al, yeah? you you yeah. are now injecting your personal opinion. I'm telling you that the if, if you go here, the testimony that you will get, the accounts that you will get, is that people have, have been abducted, have said that they were told that this is the star system they're from. So you can choose mm. not to uh, not to believe that or come to some counterexample. But my point is, and it kind of matches the near-death experience accounts when people want to go, well, it doesn't mean this, it doesn't mean that. Maybe not. But we do have mm. to understand the testimony from the people involved. Right, right. Well, I, all I'm saying is, yeah, Adamski said that uh, they were from Venus, and, and there's a lot of claims. That's okay. 
But all I'm saying is if they're traveling in space, they're also traveling in time. So so it can never be a simple matter of this thing. Uh, although I don't think complicated is the right word. I think nuance is the right word because I don't really think these things are complicated if we can afford not going into the either or trap. If we can afford realizing that we live in a reality that is has room for multiple uh it's like, look, if the lie was just on one thing, yes, then it's an either or. But the lie, with that I mean the consensus reality, is so narrow and it's so full of cracks and errors and it's so forced into this small overtone window that obviously there's a huge map outside of this overtone window on all areas, whether we're discussing history, politics, metaphysics, spiritualism there's so many cracks that it's not just an and uh, or it's like <laughs> it's like I, i'm amazed every time i see a mainstream thing being true that's that's my that's my starting position is anything true and if it's true to what extent is it true is it just true in some aspect and some angle so so no let's just concede that uh, look there may even be nazis who experimented with i think there were actually nazis who experimented with uh, psychic things at least they would have to do it as soon as they discovered some Absolutely exotic fact. They did. right so um so but my, a very important point to uh, go away with from this discussion today from my point of view is that look you have to look beyond jews you have to look beyond nazis you have to look what values do they represent and what system do they represent? So if they represent the tr power elite, the traditional powers that be, authoritarianism, anti-liberty, anti-populist, uh, control, all that stuff, it, it's just an other mosque. It's just an other, the hydra has many heads. It's just an other head of the hydra. Don't be confused that it can be red, it can be blue, it can be brown, it can be green. It doesn't matter. Look behind behind these manifestations, and uh, uh, so that's one important takeaway. The other important takeaway is that there may be seeming contrasts, uh, but there are nuanced uh, uh, explanations for most things. Uh, it doesn't mean I have the explanation or Alex has the explanation, but what we're doing is very important exercise because people are not used to seeing that people can disagree. And the funny thing about us, Alex, is that we agree about the context. We even agree about most of the facts, but we actually offer the ability to have different approaches within that. And that's not that common. Uh, usually it's uh, people have to hash out even the context. And I'm not even married to my own opinions. For example, uh, we talked about the gas, uh, the, the not the gas chambers, the number of, I don't know the number of Jews that were slaughtered. How would I know? I wasn't there. So I'm open to, uh, you know, uh, when I said being wrong, it, it, it even grants that I have an assertion. I don't really have an assertion. I just have some doubts based on some facts I've seen. And it's the same thing with the anti-gravity thing. It's the same thing with the, origins of, of, you know, the Josephus and Paulus thing and, and the Hitler survival thing and all these things. But to me, it seems like a very good uh, picture is emerging uh, when you realize, you know, when you start putting in these bricks 
uh, I'm starting to get a, a clear picture. And many times you tell me, no, 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 there's a contradiction, there's a contradiction. I don't see that. But it's not always I have time to explain to you why. And uh, I'm not here to defend uh, Joseph Farrell, by the way. But uh, <laughs> I happen to agree with him on, on, on some points, and including this point that you attack. But, you know, after American Cosmic, it's not a debate anymore. Right? She 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 lays it out, and she's a Catholic. She she comes from the theological angle, but she lays it out. It's a both and. Well, uh, you know, you said you took three months off, so I squeezed three hours out of you because you took three months off. You you paid the price. Has it been You're, three hours? Oh my yeah. god! You're awesome, my man, and I I really you appreciate do. it and. We'll say, with your permission, I'll, I'll I might edit this down to try and keep it. Some of the stuff we said is just gonna, you know, blow it out the water. I, maybe I'll put it on Rumble or something, but it'll never okay. make it on YouTube. I, I'll I just hope never, you're not too disappointed. It'll just never make it on YouTube. It'll never. It'll never. No, I won't. This and I already have one strike. That. A strike for the stupidest, not for the stupidest, for a great interview with Mary Rodwell, but it had nothing to do with you know. It's so. It's so. Oh, it's it's unbelievable. I, I got my first strike recently with Catherine Fitz. And it was me who did it. It wasn't even her. I said that Bill Gates was uh, unpopular in India and Africa because of some vaccine scandal. Bam, strike. There you go. I'm as, uh, uh, Microsoft, right, uh, uh, is uh, behind Alphabet and behind YouTube. So you can't, can't criticize the man. Which invalidates then the access of evidence we have. Yes, you understand. Yes. Mm. Okay, but we 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 did get some uh, triggers. We get we did get some provocations in there for the thoughts. So let's hope they can get something out of this debate today. Great. Congratulations on the new place. And uh, uh, okay, now we're touch. now we're we're done, right? This is yeah. So I record. just say I just say Al. Thanks again, and uh, talk soon. Thanks again to Al Borealis from Forum Borealis for joining me today on Skeptico. Boy, I usually tee up a question. Be too many of them to do. <laughs> we covered so much ground. And uh, I do really respect Al and where he's coming from. And, uh, you know, it got a little tense there for a minute. But in, in general, I mean, you just don't find people who are willing to engage at this depth when you have some kind of differences of opinion. And I really respect and appreciate that about Al. And I love his show. I've learned so much from his show. So uh, that's off to him. And uh, I really appreciate him joining me. Stay with me on Skeptico. Let me hear from you. Let me know what kind of shows we might do together. That is, you have somebody you'd love to hear on Skeptico. And I'd like to work with you to make that happen because I think that's fun and engaging and brings us together and kind of creates a reality to this thing where I'm just talking into this microphone over here and then you're magically kind of listening on the other end. Let's make it real. Let's close the loop. Until next time, take care. Bye for now. <laughs>